This episode of The Clear Out was recorded on the 19th of October 2022 at home in Wicklow. And the main focus of this episode is the trans identity controversies that continue to rage in the culture wars. Now, if that sentence doesn't mean anything to you, maybe it will on the other side of listening to the episode. And this topic was suggested to me by a friend who uh, I won't give you a shout out now, friend, you know who you are, but I will give you a shout out later on in the episode. You'll hear your name being mentioned and you'll have that little frisson of being named (laughs) in a public domain. Um, But uh, it was suggested by a friend of mine uh, to, he wanted to know my thoughts on this controversy that broke out uh, just over a week ago, really, around Graham Norton's comments at a literature festival about cancel culture. And somehow J.K. Rowling got implicated and Billy Bragg, the English songwriter, threw in his tuppence worth in support of Graham Norton and everything exploded and I thought yeah that's actually a really interesting topic to to get into so that is that's a huge part of this episode which starts about 30 minutes in um prior to that I have thoughts on just some strange encounters that happen to me when I go swimming I share a few of those and I also have thoughts on the actor uh, Rob Delaney's very powerful and moving article, uh, kind of personal essay, really, that he wrote in um, one of the Sunday papers this week about losing uh, his young son. And I have I have my own reaction to that, and I talk a little bit about my feelings around that. So they are the um, they are the three things that are the. Uh, Make up the content of this week's tell. Swimming stuff, baby stuff, um, and trans stuff. That's that's the main meat. So, um, yeah, I got into it. As ever, it, I, you know, the, the trans thing is a very complicated, tricky, touchy, triggery topic. And um, I, I, I do my best. I do my best. I always try to look at these things um as as thoroughly as I'm capable of with the information I have at the time so of course it's not perfect of course it's not perfect and I've probably omitted some points or failed to land on certain things um but it's worth exploring it's worth looking at and you know that's a huge part of what I try to do on the podcast is continually engage with exploring my own thoughts and my own feelings about things uh and I, I, I and I encourage everyone to do that. Um, and I consider that a big part of staying sane and staying well and engaging in a a positive way with stuff that's happening in your world, our world. Okay, that's it. I will see you around the corner. Bye. Oh, not gonna change my mind. Leaving the dream behind. My name is Dara Clear and you're listening to The Clear Out. Welcome. Welcome to this moment. Welcome to this day. How are you travelling? 
as as they say in Australia. How are you moving through life this week? At the point, at the time of listening, at this intersection where this podcast is meeting your brain, your ears, yourself. What's what's rumbling? What's shaking? <laughs> it's um I feel compelled to comment on the weather. Um, that's becoming a bit of a, a mundane theme of the the weekly tell. It's uh, it's a very damp day. That's an understatement. It's um, well, the rain has actually eased off. <laughs> it's just a cliche of Irish of Irish weather. Yeah, yeah. It's um, that's not too bad. It was absolutely pounding down earlier this morning and now it's backed off to just a a steady drop <laughs> but the the autumnal leaves are they're not quite in their full glory yet but they're they're having a nice flex it's it's very pretty i have to say it's very pretty and i love being indoors in a nice place when it's raining so thank thank goodness i i have a nice place to be in um yeah so there you go so i better get uh i better get straight into it i'm i'm on the clock i have a little window to record and then stuff to do things to do a class to teach hair to be cut and so on and so forth social media stuff to do got to do some videos to promote me stuff i need to um I need to mention my self-defense course again. Anyone, anyone who may be listening to this, who may be in the Wicklow area, even the South Dublin area, the Kildare area, the surrounding area, I will be teaching, I will be commencing a short self-defense course next Tuesday, the 25th, at the Broca Centre in Lara, County Wicklow. Four Tuesday nights in a row, from half past six to half past eight, I will be teaching a course of my own design holistic self-defense where i will be addressing all aspects of self-defense not just physical encounters not just being physically attacked but trying to take in the psychological and the emotional realms also trying to take on the internal landscape trying to take on how we battle ourselves and there's a question Shouldn't we protect ourselves from ourselves? Isn't that a thing that should be prioritised? That certainly should be a part of anybody's wellness programme or their wellness regime. And I'll be looking at that. So basically over the four Tuesday nights, I will be doing a mix of different things, a bit of food for thought, some exercises, maybe a bit of role play. And every after every session, there'll be three to five actual self-defense techniques physical techniques encounters strategies for fighting and defending yourself and counter-attacking that you will walk away with so uh you won't leave empty-handed so to speak so if that sounds like it's something you're interested in please please do please do come along and you can find that information on the clear out on the clear out podcast on facebook the clear out podcast on instagram as well holistic self-defense i'll be putting up a bit more about that on social media this week um 
in fact, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I may include some more of that with whatever I do to promote this particular episode as well. Okay, so that's that. That's the uh, that's the housekeeping, as some podcasters like to refer to that kind of stuff. That's a Sam Harris phrase. The controversial, the divisive <laughs> Sam Harris. Well, that's just some some housekeeping. So today I'm talking to uh, a white man from academia. Um, <laughs> I shouldn't. I shouldn't poke fun. I, I've listened to a lot of Sam Harris and I, I've enjoyed an awful lot of his interviews and thoughts in different areas. Um, controversial, and you know, controversial because you can't like anyone who divides people. That's that's just not allowed anymore. And that is an area I'm going to get into today in the area of trans identity uh gender identity gender orientation um um and the controversies that continue to rage around what that is what that represents what community should speak for whom who should be allowed to have a voice who shouldn't i mean and again i'm not saying who shouldn't shouldn't <laughs> but i'm saying that that they they seem to be the terms of engagement the terms of of conflict but uh yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna come back to that um in due course but first 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 a couple of other things i started this morning with a little cry um just like (laughs) i I keep threatening to do an episode on um those movies i referred to a couple of episodes ago uh, broadcast news and working girl and what was the third one there was a third one in the mix oh the big chill such such white white movies but three very entertaining movies in their own right um but if you have ever seen broadcast news which was came out in 1987 sort of a a media drama comedy satire um very 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 entertaining holly hunter as the news producer for a, a news network and her kind of love triangle um with William Hurt and Albert Brooks but one of the running jokes in the movie is Holly Hunter's character sitting down for a big sob every morning before getting on with the task at hand um so that was me this morning but not in the Holly Hunter way I picked up a couple of Sunday paper magazines from a friend and on the cover of this week's Sunday Times magazine is a photograph of a man up to his neck in water and yeah his chin is literally sitting in the water it's obviously out somewhere in nature uh it's daytime and the full reflection of his face is reflected in the water on the cover it's a very striking image and it is the actor, comedian, writer, Rob Delaney, um, who is American, as far as I remember. He's not Canadian, is he? Rob Delaney was the co-creator of a very popular TV show called Catastrophe, which he co-wrote and starred in with the Irish uh, actor, writer, comedian, Sharon Horgan. And it's a really, really good show. I think I've spoken about it before. Um, I feel it's one of it. it, it, it I don't think anything has ever really captured a contemporary Irish voice so successfully as Sharon Horgan's 
character in that and he, you know as, as a, and as i say they co-wrote it but while he was doing that series rob delaney suffered great personal loss when his two-year-old um his two-year-old son was his two-year-old son died he had been diagnosed with a, a brain tumor and uh yeah died after a lot of treatment and the the hope was he'd gone into remission but the cancer came back um and i found rob delaney's character in catastrophe very charming i enjoyed his acting i i liked his persona and i i think i've seen him do a tiny bit of stand up as well i thought he seems like a good guy and i knew i'd heard i'd heard that story that he he'd lost uh, a child and so i wanted to read the article and basically it's a it's a grief essay a grief testimonial and he tells the story of the journey of finding out um that his son was sick and um getting you know having brain surgery and you know sadly it ultimately not being successful and the return of the cancer and his son's death and um oh it's just an incredibly incredibly honest um and personal testimony and i found it very very moving um and uh yeah <laughs> i was kind of laughing so I was, you know i was looking down at the magazine i was reading it at the kitchen table and um yeah just seeing my tears hit my glasses and streak down the inside of my glasses and i was i was just reflecting to myself that i don't know if i would have reacted in the same way before i'd become a parent because in many ways i was i was an absolute cliche prior to becoming a parent now i had no i always liked kids and was happy to be godfather to some very important children in my life and I always had a great rapport with children but babies be, before i became a parent i was kind of indifferent to babies i was just like yeah grand <laughs> it's a baby and i just looked at babies and thought they were all completely interchangeable totally indistinct from one another um and then when i became a parent i was amazed at how with each passing day when my daughter was merely weeks old i just i just thought she was like a revelation of vibrant personality and distinctiveness and maybe that's just biology maybe that's just programming to make sure you uh, you're drawn to your own child um you, you, you know you know they say that when babies are born that they always look like their fathers initially and that's so the father doesn't kill the baby um under the assumption that someone else has fathered it is that true is that just something apocryphal i don't know um but everyone told me that my daughter looked very much like me so god love her in a way um if she gets my um distinctive schnoz and my now i don't call it a funny chin but many people do my funny chin um and my ultimately later in life my receding hairline she's grand don't worry i think her mother's genes are are asserting themselves more and more so she'll be <laughs> she won't be afflicted with any of those things um but anyway back to back to rob delaney's um piece his essay his yeah i 
I recommend reading it. I just think it's it's a great piece of writing. Um, he expresses himself very well, um, and it's 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 just the the directness of the experience, the, the directness and honesty of how he shares the story. It's not it's not. I'm not saying particularly that the prose is so wonderful, but it's just why would he waste time trying to put something particularly eloquently. Um, that, that, that I'm getting off the point. That's a that's a that's a, that's a non-point. It's a really powerful piece, and it did remind me of my fears of uh, around my my daughter's kind of journey to the world when when my wife was pregnant with her and flags were raised and that the pregnancy could be problematic. Flags were raised that our daughter might not come out um you know might have some conditions um i mean again i, I like the the, the the language around this i always kind of I, I always hesitate when i think i'm about to say something that could be completely crude and offensive um but there were moments in the pregnancy where yeah it was just these uh, you know alarming scares i suppose is you know i suppose is a way to put it and i remember at one point going to some sort of specialist clinic to get a scan and the people there did nothing to allay our concerns and then while they left us to digest certain implications um you know, of a less than successful full-term pregnancy or whatever, um, or, you know, genealogical deviations or, yeah. They left us to have a think, but gave us a little flyer brochure. And then in that moment, I realized, oh, oh, this isn't a, this isn't actually a medical facility or a health facility. This is a shop. And what they're selling is services and they want you to be scared and they want you to freak out and they want you to say, oh, yes, please, let's have that test. And that test could pose a serious health threat to our unborn baby, but it will allay our fears and then we can proceed knowing that all will be well. But, you know, and I just thought this is so screwed and so messed up. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, the... It, you know the, the 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 pregnancy wasn't straightforward or easy uh it was difficult and it was a very tough time for my wife and then late in the pregnancy there was a threat to both uh our daughter's life in the womb and my wife's life and so she had to be delivered early and that was all very um yeah very scary and challenging but you, you know you do what you do you you kind of get on with it and you yield to you yield to people who who know better who have the expertise to take control and my wife and I I think were were lucky in many ways that we were you know that we agreed that we weren't going to have some hard core locked in birth plan 
but that we would move with events as they happened um, because I think that would have just added to the challenging nature of of how our daughter came into the world if we'd been like this isn't how it was supposed to be I thought you know, whatever I'm not going to I shouldn't I shouldn't <laughs> I shouldn't try to mock other people's birth plans um, I mean I could but maybe this isn't the moment um, but in any case you know reading that article this morning it has kind of opened me up again and I really felt you know tremendous empathy for Rob Delaney his wife and their other sons the, the the two older brothers of of the son who died um and yeah it's it's a, just a very powerful thing it's a very powerful thing to just be able to you know, to, to access that the, the strength of the depth of of love and fear i suppose um and that was i remember that was a huge thing for me when our daughter did finally um, arrive was finally delivered safely into 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 <laughs> into the world and i remember my my wife had to get some aftercare and so i i was given our daughter to to hold and be with and mind um until she could be returned to to her mother and i was put into this little this little kind of ante room by myself and I just yeah like whatever it was eight months as it happened eight months of fear um and sort of anticipatory kind of grief were purged in in that moment and I think I held my daughter for a couple of hours and just um bathed her in my tears as I sobbed <laughs> as I sobbed over her and just the sort of the overwhelming feelings of relief and and love and care and gratitude and I felt so grateful you know I you know being being an, an Irishman abroad I was I was grateful to Australia I was grateful to the Australian care system um uh I was just great I was grateful to my wife of course and just grateful to the you know in my kind of conception of you know you, you never know what life is going to give you or take away from you what the universe is going to give you or take away from you and i know some cynical people might go what you shut up <laughs> about the universe but i was like i'm grateful to the universe for allowing us to have this little person um and uh I, I never stopped feeling that way and my, my daughter turned nine a couple of days ago and yeah it was just a nice moment to to pause and sort of acknowledge her and acknowledge the enormously positive impact that she's had on on my life um and I, I never stopped feeling feeling grateful that she's here and yeah so so there you go anyway that's me Banging on about my daughter. Oh, Jesus, he's not saying how much he loves his daughter again. It's nauseating. Um, well, I don't care. Be nauseated. I'm just, I'm just doing me. You do you, I'll do me. So, um, yeah, so well done. Well done, um, Rob Delaney. You know, it's, it's, again, that word courageous gets bandied about a bit. But, like, that's, you know, that's, that's a very 
very personal thing to share publicly and and you know and he, he you know he acknowledges that and he's absolutely unapologetic and why wouldn't he be and you know i get it i get it as a sort of a adjacent creative person i really value the idea of sharing processing being open being honest um and you know to hell with the consequences um there is a, a self-therapeutic aspect to it there is something about putting it out there out there for the exchange out there on the chance it will be of benefit to others and it's it's alleviating as well and I, you know, i'm very grateful i haven't had to go through something as as um as grimly horrible and life-changing as that but um yeah more power to him and um i wish him well in his ongoing journey and his wife and his other his other children but um yeah find that article if you can i'm sure i'm sure it's there online and i'm sure there's probably been a lot of reaction to it um elsewhere so the um yeah the other thing what was the other thing oh the other thing unrelated i'm I'm segueing it's not even a segue because there was nothing smooth there whatsoever that was just um a crash landing i'm crash landing into into um my swimming my swimming life my swimming life continues and in recent weeks it's just been funny the little conversations that i've had um and it's rather it's not that so much that I've had conversations conversations have been imposed on me by by people just coming up to me as I stand by my car in my speedos getting ready to swim or on the other side of a swim um and I I was trying to kind of go what 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 is it what is it about people that they they see some <laughs> They see some guy standing virtually naked, um, mere meters from the water, and they go, yeah, let's go and talk to this guy and find out what he's doing or, you know, tell him about what's going on in our lives. And this idea of finding out what I'm doing, is it not obvious what I'm doing? Because I'm standing in a pair of swimming togs about to put on swimming caps and goggles. Um, Is it not obvious what I'm doing? But to some people, it must not be. And sure enough, a couple of weeks ago, I was standing there by my car, getting ready to get in, standing there in my togs, and a couple kind of pulled in behind me, um, probably a couple in their 60s. They looked kind of tanned and moneyed. And they were kind of walked past me and were looking at the sea. And then she turned back to me and said, are you swimming? And I was thinking, no, no, I'm about to submit my dissertation on the conflict in Beethoven's late music. I'm like, what the hell do you think I'm doing? Look at me. It's I. <laughs> it's just like I just don't know. I just don't know. And then he made some comment about you know the temperature. There's always you know how cold is it or, um, you know I bet you it's, you know I think it was it's not as we you know we've just come from 
Italy or the Mediterranean or somewhere, I can't remember what he said, some holiday destination, and the water was a lot warmer there. And I was thinking, yeah, great, great, good for you, that's nice. But that the best one is like, are you swimming? You're not swimming, are you? Are you swimming? I mean, what else would I be doing? No, I'm I'm about to I'm I'm, I'm about to bid, um, I'm about to try and do a, a hostile takeover of Apple. Anyway, whatever. Another day, recently again, I was on the other side of the swim, standing kind of you know a little bit cold, and I I I, I bring a container of fresh water to sort of douse myself and rinse my feet and as it gets colder um, and through winter I'll make sure that that container of water contains hot water to restore a bit of life to my feet and hands after the swim I'm not there yet I'm still using cold water but anyway I just kind of poured some cold water over myself and this guy again who just pulled in behind me just walks up to me and starts talking to me about where I got my water from and it was just this very random, no intro, just where'd you get your water from? And, yeah, and I mean, I get it. You have those conversations with strangers sometimes. Um, you just kind of jump right in. But then he was telling me that his his sister was uh, very unwell in hospital with, um, is it Louis Body's dementia? Is that what it's called? Have I got that right? I bet you I've just misnamed that. And she's a, she was his twin. And he was talking about, you know his workplace situation and how he just had to leave his job after six weeks because he was working with vipers Um, and I don't think he was talking about actual snakes I think that was a metaphor and he just kept banging on relentlessly Um, and I just thought what what?" like I'm not an unfriendly guy (laughs) but like what the hell um and I mean, I, I relayed this to my wife when I got home and expressed my uh, consternation and uh, exacerbation. And she was like, you know, the poor guy is probably, you know, in grief or very stressed out. And she just took this completely sympathetic position for the other, this, this interloper. Um, and I thought, well, my wife's a very nice person. Um, I was just, I, I just, I was, but I was, I was also thinking, just let me vent. Just let me vent because my thing is I just want to go and swim. I don't go down to the beach to meet people. I don't go down to, you know, <laughs> to uh, to apply the uh, a stranger is just a, a friend I haven't met yet uh, thesis. I go down to the beach to swim and I want to leave after my swim and it's completely selfish. It's completely selfish. Um I just want to have my little bit of zen swim time, put myself through the the challenge, if it is indeed challenging because of the conditions. And it has been lately some very rough water and lots of seals. That's another thing. People wait on the shore until I get out and then they say, did you see the seal? I was like, no. He was right behind you. He was twice the size of you. I was like, oh, well, I'm, I'm glad I didn't see him then. Um, so there are, a couple, there are a couple of cheeky or curious seals in the water or maybe 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 they think maybe it's the other way around maybe they're going I'm the cheeky one jumping into their water and they're like do you know I just took a piss there <laughs> look at that Egypt. he's just swimming through my urine he thinks he's been all healthy <laughs> these ridiculous humans um, yeah and then yesterday I got talking to a guy who to be fair I'd had a brief chat with him the previous week he'd been in swimming the same time as me 
and um, he was driving quite a nice uh, quite a nice Saab and he had a certain look and I was kind of making assumptions about him <laughs> as I as I checked him out from my car before I got out to get changed and then um, we had a brief chat and he was a very nice guy and he arrived at the at the sea the same time as me yesterday uh, after I'd finished working and uh, and look he he may end up hearing this and um, Grant but we just had this he, he just kind of launched a load of stuff at me uh, he's trying to develop his own wellness app he's a musician uh, he's been worked in education he went to Maynooth um, University uh, several years before me um, and I think he was I think he was just quite excited to meet someone who kind of got his thing and what he was trying to do so um, he was just he was he just and I had to say listen man I've I'm on the clock. I've got to go. I've got to swim. But we exchanged details, so um, you never know. Something may come from that. So it's not all. It's not all loonies. But the, you know the previous. The point I was going to make previously about the other just people jumping in on you. I guess part of their thinking is um, because there's often that conversation about you're mad. I can't believe you're getting in that water, and you know it is starting to get a little bit cold here. You know we're well into um, we're on the far side of mid October. We're definitely heading for the the colder months of the year, um. So you, you often get that kind of cliche. Oh, you're mad! Oh, you're mad! Um, and I think on some level maybe people go, "Oh, this guy's obviously an idiot. This guy's obviously unhinged. He's obviously, he's obviously, obviously some kind of moron." So I can just go and babble my stuff at him, and it won't make a difference to him. I think that must be the logic. I think it must be the logic, um, but sure, I suppose, whatever. Maybe I need a sign that goes, I know I look like an idiot, but I'm not one. Uh, although maybe I should refer you to, um, I can't remember if it was episode two or episode three, where I posed the question, am I a clown or an idiot or both? Who knows? Who knows? Anyway. They are the uh, the swimming the swimming encounters I have. Oh, it was, an, it was an Icelandic couple yesterday. That's the other question people go. The questions are usually um, how how often do you swim, how long do you swim for, and what's the temperature. And so there was a couple there with not amazing English yesterday, and it was it was kind of of that nature. Oh, what's the temperature? And I said, oh, it's it's not too bad. It's fourteen degrees. I said it's 14 degrees and I checked later and it's exactly 14 degrees yesterday in the water um, which is it, it's comfortable it's absolutely fine um, and then they're like you know how long and I said oh, I swim all year round and they go no now and I said oh well, I was only in for about 10 minutes um, and they say oh in, and then she said in Finland we cut a hole in the ice and get in and I said yeah that's proper cut it's only 30 seconds and I said still good isn't it so I gave them a pass because they know what cold water is <laughs> and they went on their merry way anyway there you go okay so now what i want to get into i'm going to get into some i'm going to get into the weeds I'm going to get into some sticky sticky stuff um this is this is kind of a no not kind of this is a requested topic for the podcast and i, I often say that you know reach out if there's anything you'd like me to talk about um i'm very happy to to you know to have a look at it so i've got a few connors in my life quite a few 
shouldn't surprise you nice irish name connor um i have an uncle connor i've got several connor friends but this request comes from shout out to my friend connor t who's in bristol in england at the moment but connor's uh, connor t is a, a teacher i worked with in melbourne melbourne uh connor is from connor you have to correct me if i'm wrong you can tell me um from wodonga is that right wodonga albury wodonga which is a border town well it's kind of twin cities twin towns on in up around the victoria new south wales border but like in victoria about 300 kilometers north of melbourne um connor and i worked together for a while and he's he's a, he's a, he's a good guy but anyway connor reached out to me last week just to say hey um said that he's now currently living in bristol and he was like what are your thoughts what are your thoughts hey bro what are your thoughts on he didn't say hey bro what are your thoughts on the billy bragg graham norton jk rowling rowling rolling row like let's have a row i had a row or let's go rowing uh, anyway uh, you know you know i'm not a harry potter fan jk i'm gonna say rowling i hope that's right um you know it's jarring when you hear a name that you know and it's it's going to be mispronounced for the rest of this episode um yeah i really like shane connery i think he was the best bond <laughs> all right shane <laughs> um, anyway i was like um i wasn't aware of any controversy i knew jk rowling had been in the headlines for coming into conflict um with some sort of trans rights um lobby group community i'm going to talk about this now so connor t this is for you this is this is a topic well worth looking at and it definitely it definitely falls into an area of conversation and contemplation and reflection that i'm interested in and it's very much related to this idea that comes up again and again on on the podcast the idea of discourse, the idea of identity politics, identity of you know, the culture wars, um, the idea of cancel culture, the idea of what you are allowed and not allowed to say, uh, the idea of who are you know who have become the gatekeepers of what is right, who have become the gatekeepers of morality, and this is a real this is a real flashpoint, uh, trans rights, trans identity um it's a real hot potato um so let me try and lay out what happened and then i'll try and uh, explore my own thinking on this um so basically a couple of weeks ago graham norton the irish uh tv personality um presenter of the graham norton show tv uh, chat show host um, very funny guy very charming host I haven't read any of his books they seem to be very highly regarded I, I heard a lovely interview with him recently on the Adam Buxton podcast which I, I'd recommend listening to um, so yeah Graham Norton who's really be, become a sort of a, a British TV institution having moved from Channel 4 to the BBC and some something of a of a national treasure i would argue um he wasn't wasn't the first irishman to succeed on the the english airwaves uh, and english tv 
you had people like Terry Wogan and Henry Kelly before him um, in, in similar kind of roles. Terry Wogan especially, um, you know, very successful TV chat show host and uh, radio presenter. And Graham Norton has his show on radio as well. Anyway, Graham Norton. Graham Norton was at the Cheltenham Literature Festival a couple of weeks ago and he was being interviewed by um, Mariella Frostrup. And he was there, I guess, promoting his new book, the name of which I have forgotten. But he, she engaged him on this idea of cancel culture. And I think he was talking about, you know, John Cleese was mentioned because John Cleese was... John Cleese, the former Monty Python, um, again, English actor, comedian, who um, is not a young man anymore. Surely he's uh, well into his, his 70s, if he's not the other side of 80. I'm not sure, but he's not a young man. You know, the Faulty Towers legend. John Cleese was, you know, in the media, banging on about cancel culture, and he's moving to... Um, Oh, is it GB News? I don't even know. I mean, it, it, this stuff is... Sometimes the, the the logistical parts of this aren't that interesting to me. But in any case, John Cleese, um, white man, white straight man of a certain age, banging on about cancel culture. Um, and it came up in conversation in this interview. And Graham Norton was kind of going, well, I don't know, is it cancel culture? Like, And he did refer to, you know, men of a certain um, demographic, certain age, suddenly being held accountable for the things they were saying. And Graham Norton's argument was like, it's not cancel culture, it's just accountability. Um, and Maria Frostrup asked him, well, you know, what, what about kind of J.K. Rowling and the controversy, controversy that she seems to have stoked by, uh, by her own position on trans uh, identity or the trans experience. And... Graham Norton just said, why, you know, fundamentally, he said, like, why, you know, why are people asking celebrities, you know, what they think? I mean, if you want to know about uh, transgender issues or the transgender experience, um, talk to trans people, talk to, you know, people who are going through that experience, talk to their parents, talk to medical experts. And he said, what you basically he was saying, like, what, you know, what kind of, what kind of celebrity contribute to this? And he was fundamentally saying that, you know, this idea of constantly sound biting and sound grabbing um, celebrities and their thoughts on, you know, the, the hot topics of the day. He's saying this contributes so little to the conversation. He said occasionally, maybe, you, you know, something you say might strike the nail on the head and be the right thing. Uh, there might be a nice, um, you know, coincidence of events and timing where what you're saying does contribute to something useful but otherwise no and that was it like it just seemed again to my mind it seemed that it seemed very reasonable and there just seemed to be no issue with that i i certainly had no issue with it at all i thought yeah that's um sure like <laughs> just thoughtful considered sensible um, without being particularly provocative or iconoclastic, uh, without a trace of that, actually. And I think a day later, um, Billy Bragg, the the English uh, singer-songwriter, 
Billy Bragg came up a, a few episodes ago, didn't he? Didn't didn't I give Billy Bragg a mention in the episode I did on the 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 death of the Queen of England? Because um, Billy Bragg was one of those. He's 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 always been a sort of a, to my mind, um, a kind of a, a socialist. I don't know if this is wrong, but sort of a, like a socialist minded political um uh, you know thoughtful uh, songwriter um who yeah occupies a particular place in the the, the you know the, the the canon of 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 english music um he's certainly not just writing pop songs um but always someone you think that guy i, I always felt billy bragg is a very credible uh artist and how he kind of commentates through his art and his 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 creative output and i feel like i always kind of liked where he was coming from politically so yeah billy bragg came out and came out and said yeah that's really cool well done graham norton um it was a tweet kind of going yeah really nice sensible nice to hear someone kind of putting it that way grant again very innocuous i thought um but what happened next was J.K. Rowling, Rowling, choose your pronunciation, Rowling. J.K. Rowling basically had a go at Billy Bragg for applauding Graham Norton and fundamentally accused Billy Bragg and Graham Norton kind of throwing their lot in with people who make rape threats and death threats and said how nice to kind of hear from another bearded man on um, what a woman is and how a woman should be defined Um, and yeah made this sort of this accusation um, which you know and so you know now that I've read into it a bit this kind of conflation um, I mean for me like a conflation of you know defending i suppose in her mind defending cancel culture and therefore not only defending cancel culture but supporting the um the the most virulent and rabid um exponents of of cancel culture um the kind of the no no platform people the people who go after you online and do their utmost to um, take you down and bring you down. And this is where um, J.K. Rowling was coming from because she has been very much uh, in the front line of that experience as the target of uh, unbridled hate and judgment and vilification. Um, And... Out, you know, without that context, and I'm going to give you the context now shortly. You know, without that context, you look at J.K. Rowling's tweet, her response, and you go, "Whoa, that's a bit of a jump. That's a bit extreme, isn't it?" Um, Graham Norton's a very nice guy, he's a very thoughtful guy, um, and Billy Bragg is a good guy as well. Um, what's going on here, J.K.? So, I. I just say you know, I I wanted to kind of try and dig a dig a little deeper, dig a little deeper into this, and so I was like, where is this coming from? What what like what is the what is the J.K. Rowling position? 
So, here we go. J.K. Rowling, in June 2020, on her own website, jkrowling.com, wrote her own sort of personal testimony, uh, her own, presented her own explanation of why she had a certain position on the language being used around trans identity um, and how that language was coming into conflict with how a woman was defined. And this is a conversation about sex, uh, not the having of it, but sex as your identity um, and and gender. Um, now, she was using the word sex to refer to whether you're either male or female. Um, now, I, I get a bit, you know, people seem to use the, the two words interchangeably and I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not sure how accurate that is. Um, and I, I do, this just seems to be a very, it, you know, when you go kind of below the surface and if you, when you go into sort of, uh, you know, the, the microscopic detail of, of genes and chromosomes, um, it can actually get quite muddy and confusing about what are the determining factors and the determining um, points of identification of of gender, um, of, of 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 one's sex, um, and I mean, I, I, again, I think it was um, it was my one of my cousins, hi Emma, if you're listening, if you ever listen, I've no idea, uh, who, who who shared something on social media. I referred to this in a previous conversation, so I've, I've obviously hit on this topic before. But she shared, so, you know, a scientist kind of breaking down what chromosomes do. And, you know, it was kind of a panel by panel. There's this, and then this happens, and then there's this. And when this happens, you know this. And when this happens, you know that. But when this happens, you don't know. And when this happens, it's gone from being female to male um, and then back to female. And, you know, and ultimately it was like, so who really knows, guys? But now they weren't being, they weren't advocating anything. that They didn't have a, an agenda other than to say, even the science, when you break it down to empirical um scientifically <laughs> verifiable facts it can still there can still be an area of interpretation and ambiguity um so it's 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 slippery it's slippery for those of you you know for anyone who wants to find it slippery um that's available to you i as a very um and again i'm not i'm not trying to uh i'm not <laughs> I'm just a simple guy. So when I see something with a penis, I think it's male. And when I see something with female genitals, I think it's female. Um, so that's how I understand it. You know, I, I'm being silly, obviously, but in a way, that is kind of how I, I, I see it. And when I say that, and this, this, is, this, is, this is what we're getting into here, when I say that, then I go, well, okay, well, that's obviously female and that's obviously male and that's obviously a woman or a girl and it's obviously a man or a boy. And anything else is not that. 
see this this is this is the key i think this is the key area so this is the key area of debate this is where the battleground is so once there's the non you know the non singularity of that's clearly that and that's clearly that and then the position is well whatever you are you're not that whatever you are you're not biologically physically mechanically atomically whatever you're not a man or a woman as they came into the world now that I'm, I'm saying that in the safety of my hashtag blessed studio without an audience without representatives of particular groups communities lobbies whatever platforms you know I, there's no one present here for me to trigger and that is that is as clear as i could you know reduce the 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 area of debate that that's how much i can reduce it and go well that seems to be fundamentally the issue and just to further clarify in case you're going i still don't get what the issue is um the issue is the the grouping that i refer to this large grouping of well whatever you are you're not that clearly identifiable woman that clearly identifiable man based on biology and um, um, anatomy and genetic makeup then that group their assertion many people in this other group and that's a key word again another key culture war identity politics word the othering don't other me um those people are going i am a woman i am a man and these might be people who have um gender is it gender dysmorphia is that one of the terms that's used um you know i guess which is a a conviction and a conviction again that that makes it sound like oh it's just what they believe but whatever it's again i'm you know i'm very big on i can't speak for someone's subjective experience and that's you know, it's just fundamentally wrong. I spoke about this, I think, in last week's episode, I mentioned this. I can't speak for somebody else's interiority. I have no idea what anyone else is going through. And um, the the area we get into is, and this is where J.K. Rowling has come into uh, conflict with these various groups, people, whatever. Fundamentally, her position is that of kind of hold on a second and she hasn't I, I feel I mean I haven't followed her 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 social media and I mean Twitter is a very unnuanced unsophisticated platform that doesn't allow for grey areas or nuance you know you've got your word limit your character limit there's only so much you can say without making it a, you know a thread or a connected tweet and it's 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 high risk it's high risk wading into any discourse of significance on twitter and arguably on any social media platform and this is a huge part of the problem that we have in the world at the moment uh, around many areas of discourse where so much is played out um in short form 
highly emotional, trolling opinion platforms. And I guess some people are happy to live their lives there and happy that their voice, that's where their voice will be heard. But it's, um, as I say, it, it's high risk. It's very volatile. I find it completely untrustworthy and unreliable. Um, and, and and Twitter is particularly egregious in whatever way its algorithms work. Uh, I just find anytime like a Twitter headline pops up on my phone it's there's something provocative about it there's something unsettling it's always something with a barb it's always something with a hook or a spike in it designed to give get get a reaction so i find i just go whoop i just wipe it off my phone like nah, i don't need to read that it's highly unlikely i need to read that um but jk rowling her position was the language that was being used around what a woman is or isn't and the language that was being used to distinguish a biologically born woman um, and someone who was transitioning or wanted to transition uh, or trans, trans woman, trans man um the language that was being used you'd have terms the two the two terms that she mentions in her her own piece on her own website were people who menstruate menstruate so menstruators menstruators um people with vulvas um so and she was going what like this language i'm paraphrasing but i could see her position was this language is insane I'm a woman. I was born a woman. I'm a biological woman. Um, and if that isn't, if that wasn't your starting point, you cannot, you know, she, I think she's, you know, basically saying you're, you're, you're not a woman in that sense. And that, and, and, and you know, and, and so again, what happens is this backlash and there's more to her 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 story. There's more to what she shared, and I'll, I'll I'll touch on that in a moment. But fundamentally, the backlash which followed almost immediately was this huge sort of pushback against what she said that you're transphobic, and she made it enormously clear in what she wrote that she had trans friends, um, and was very close to trans some you know some transgender people that she was in you know she had she was very much informed about that experience um albeit second hand um and there was no question of it being a sort of a transphobic um othering kind of position but she became victim to i guess this the limitation of the discourse and the the trend this this trend that has been you know prevalent for the last few years of prioritizing the subjective experience over the objective experience and suddenly she was being accused of hating trans people and negating trans people and othering trans people and it has become a hugely 
a hugely divisive issue and position. Um, and she is not the only one who has been through this experience, J.K. Rowling. Um, I mean, I read what she wrote and I just thought, again, she's been completely transparent here. She's not hiding anything. She expressed a lot of genuine concerns about the the sort of acceleration of validating um, I'm, I mean I'm, I'm, I'm hesitating around my own language now not for fear of offending but just trying to be accurate um, she expressed fears about the acceleration of just fast tracking or um, accommodating uh the transitioning kind of journey at a very young age she felt like this is like you know, children are vulnerable and teenagers are seem to be you know there seems to be a lot of teenagers who go through that experience where they want to transition as a way as a means of escaping um homophobia um and that was one of jk rowling's concerns was you know People will, you know, people can get through that experience without having to transition, um, and it's a complicated thing. It's a very complicated um, journey to go on, and in, you know, before, you know, in previous times, like to go on that journey required an enormous amount of evaluation and psychological evaluation um, before anything was touched, any procedure was entered into. Um, and there seems to be sort of a, a fast tracking of that nowadays that is alarming. Um, and again, it's not that I'm, I, I'm not trying to kind of wade into the minutiae of the journey, the experience, because that's that's not really... You know, that's not really my area of interest I think J.K. Rowling's position is reasonable and she went further in, in what she, she wrote to say that she and, and this, is, this is where you get to the kind of death threat, rape threat territory I mean, and all that followed all that came after she wrote her piece Um she'd had kind of low level stuff prior to that um for expressing you know her opinion in other areas but she revealed in that uh, piece of writing that she had been you know married um to an abusive man and there was domestic violence and she was trying to go i understand this i know this experience of being threatened i know this experience of being subjected to male violence male rage and being sort of helpless or powerless or being the weaker party in that dynamic um and she was trying to contextualize that and say there's a piece of legislation that was about to be brought in i think she was it in scotland perhaps where a man all a man had to do to be legally recognized as a woman it was to say basically to declare i i think i'm a woman i feel like I, I feel like i'm a woman and that would be sufficient um to be given a piece of you know i don't know if it would, you'd get a, an identity card but then that man 
would be free to enter female spaces, female bathrooms, female changing rooms. Um, and J.K. Rowling was going, I don't think so. Um, and it was coming from her position of, I, I don't feel safe with that idea. I don't feel, I feel threatened by that. And again, I don't mind. I think you know, that that's a conversation that is is not invalid. I think, and again, this is this is what we're picking up on here is like the discourse. Um, so, I mean, what I would recommend is go and read her piece and see what you think. Uh, and I have a lot of sympathy for that position of that's fine. You are a man or a young, you know, whatever, a boy, an adolescent boy, and you go. I don't feel like I should be in this body. I feel like I should be in a female body and I'm going to transition and then I will be a girl. I will be a woman. And if I met that person, I'm like, yeah, okay, you know, live your life. Go for it. Good luck. It's, you know, it can't be easy. Um, And it's going to be, it's going to be tough, you know, going through all of that. And hopefully you'll find inner peace happiness uh, you'll feel resolute you'll feel resolved and life will continue um it doesn't change the fact that now you're a man now you're male and you you, you kind of can't be a woman in the biological sense and that's why we have language i guess like trans man trans woman now I suppose ultimately the goal is if you are someone who's transitioned is you just want to, I think the phrase is you want to pass. You want to be out in society and pass as the gender you've transitioned to. And ultimately that's the that's the successful end point. Um, and I'm, I, you know, I celebrate that. I'd be like, brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And now you can get on with your life and be a whole person um and i i don't think to say if that person says i'm a woman i go great you're a woman i accept that and you know part of my brain will go but you weren't a woman at the beginning and i don't think that makes me transphobic i just think that's a fact um and that doesn't make me think less of that person who transitioned. Um, I mean, I, I applaud anyone who takes steps to transform themselves. I, I applaud anyone who takes steps to make themselves happier and Im, improve, Im, you know, improve their experience. I applaud anyone who takes control of their identity um in pursuit of a better life that's that's central to to convictions that i have around around wellness um so ultimately when i look at this topic i kind of step back and i go oh my goodness the discourse is appalling and it was notable when jk rowling published that piece that many of the younger members of the uh, Harry Potter cast immediately distanced themselves from her and condemned in uh, in different terms her 
her language um, and condemned her sort of transphobia. Um, and another actor from the Harry Potter movies, Robbie Coltrane, the Scottish actor, uh, who was in uh, the TV series Cracker, another, another funny man. Uh, he played Hagrid in Harry Potter. And he just passed away, incidentally. Um, but Robbie Coltrane was like, yeah, I, I, I don't see anything offensive in what she's written. It all seems very reasonable. So there might be, there might be like, there's a generational thing here at play as well, um, where I guess younger younger people, younger adults um, are, I don't know. I mean, to be to be sort of dismissive or mean or snarky, you could say it feels like younger people aren't thinking about things enough. They're not being thoughtful enough. They're not being reflective enough. Um, that's one. That's one way to look at it. But you know, you can look at it another way in a more positive light and go, "No, young people are really quick to defend anyone who they think is being othered, um, or." you know excluded or not being made feel part of things um and you know you know be who you are say who you are it's all good we validate everything you know there's a great sort of in- inclusivity and a, you know this kind of inclusivity sort of impulse and there's kind of a there's something protective um and wonderfully and i mean this sincerely like you know truly accepting in that um and that's all good i mean it really is i mean my problem is when someone is expressing a very thoughtful experience based opinion and position as jk rowling did that that is unheard that that is not being parsed um accurately as far as i can tell and that person then just gets metaphorically murdered. Um, the, the the term that um, J.K. Rowling has been uh, labelled with is uh, she's apparently apparently she's a turf. This is so again lovely, just great etymology. Turf is an acronym for trans exclusionary radical feminist. So you're excluding trans people so you're a feminist a radical feminist who doesn't want trans women to be included in the feminist under the feminist umbrella that is again i i mean i i don't necessarily i don't i don't i certainly don't think jk rowling believes that's what she is and i think her points are are absolutely are valid and she's presented them really articulately um but her, if you go back to the tweet that she responded to Graham Norton's comments with, and specifically Billy Bragg's response to Graham Norton's comments, that tweet of hers was—I don't think it did her much, you know, did her much justice. I don't think it was. A, I don't think the tweet was a credit to her. But again, we're talking about Twitter, so her kind of going, "Oh, marvelous," you know. Graham Norton's kind of going, there is no cancel culture. It's not cancel culture, it's accountability. And therefore, Graham Norton is saying that I, J.K. Rowling, uh, 
that there's nothing wrong with what's happened to me, that I'm just being held accountable. Um, I'd say J.K. Rowling feels very personally uh, affronted um, by what she's had to deal with because I obviously she has been sent death threats and she's been sent rape threats and she's been called every uh, name under the sun um, including the C word um, and that C word is coconut but you have to remove a few letters to, to get the word Um so I can kind of really see it from that point of view. I can kind of see her emotional response. It's like, yeah, marvellous. Thanks, lads. So this is just a green light for more hate coming my way. It's a green light for death threats and rape threats. Um, but see, she didn't express that. She didn't express that. And a tweet maybe is incapable of expressing that. Um, and so what's happened then as well another casualty of this is, is Graham Norton um, has somehow found himself in this kind of in, in the mire of of transphobic accusations and he's, he's deleted his Twitter account and had to get offline for all the flack that came his way after his comments um, and I I mean, again, I, I, I forgot to kind of, I just forgot to, I haven't checked. Like, what, what? I don't know what people's problem was with him. So I don't know if they were defenders of the J.K. Rowling position, if somehow what he expressed, because so I don't think he, he didn't say anything that was particularly inflammatory. Um, and I just go, this is, this is the madness. This is the madness of, of the age we're living in. Um, I worked on a play I acted in a play in 2016 in Sydney. Um, a brilliant, I thought, a really great production called Back at the Dojo. Written by a brilliant, fun, <laughs> hilarious, lovely woman, uh, Lally Katz. And Lally Katz wrote this play, which was inspired by her father's experience. It's her father was a bit of a lost soul back in the day in uh, in the States, uh, young, a young kind of hippie who was a bit lost and he went on his kind of road trip and um, basically came back home and found personal meaning, purpose and validation through karate. Um, in a kind of a tough karate dojo in um, in uh, in Jer- New Jersey is that right? New Jersey. Where was it? What uh, Trenton? That's it. Trenton, New Jersey. And so she wrote this play. She wrote this play about her father's journey, and she had been training in our karate club and was really inspired by my my former instructor. Um, the um. The, the, the aforementioned and not aforementioned not in this episode but aforementioned in previous episodes um, my, my, my great kind of Japanese <laughs> instructor Natsuko and uh, Natsuko is a female instructor Lali who trained with us for a while found Natsuko very inspiring and thought oh, no, I, I want to write a play about karate and maybe you can be in it and as it happened both myself and Natsuko ended up being in the play and the 
the framing device for the play was um, a a character visiting a character a, a male character who was transitioning and like kind of mid transition visiting her grandfather in hospital and the grandfather was meant to be Lally's dad so he's in a hospital in Australia and the transitioning grandchild is kind of coming in and out and trying to kind of make sense of his her identity um, and the grandfather's sharing his story and so it's kind of a, a back and forth sort of story uh, rite of passage story for the grandfather when he was younger and then the, the transitioning grandchild going on her journey um, and I, I just thought it was, it was a great production it was a great cast of actors and like tonally I think it worked really well I played uh, I played about three or four characters they were all kind of baddies um, I was the bully at the dojo I was a a home of, you know a violent uh, redneck um, in the south um, on the the young uh, grandfather's sort of road trip um, and I was the I was the 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 dad the the dad of the grandfather the, the you know the, the war veteran who was um, now what word would I use cynophobic would that be right what, what's like what's you know hatred of hatred of Japanese people um i'd have to check that but anyway um totally disapproving um so i, I was I, yeah in in i was i was the villain kind of throughout the play um and seemed to be so successful in in in, in those roles that i was generally left alone in the theater bar afterwards um and i wouldn't really be approached by anybody um so you know what do you make of that or else I, you know they just didn't like redheads or irish people um but it was a it was a great experience um and that really was my first um kind of encounter with young there were a couple of actors in the cast and an actress in particular who just seemed to regard me very warily um and she was very sort of uh, au fait with the language around transitioning and seemed to be very emotionally involved and had friends who were, you know, on that journey. And I I, I wasn't particularly, you know, I didn't have familiarity with that journey. I didn't know anyone who'd been through that experience. And it wasn't a big, um, it wasn't an emotional area for me, but you know, as a person who's interested in the human experience and people, I was, you know, I was interested to, you know, to, to, to learn and see what that story, you know, see how that journey was being explored and dramatized in the play. Um, but I, I felt, I felt flavors of that energy from that actress, a kind of a, a hostility and a kind of a step off. You don't, you know, this isn't your this isn't your domain. This isn't your terrain. Um, so it was it was an interesting kind of dynamic to negotiate in rehearsals and and through the production and, and one which remained unresolved. And you know there was no you know, there were no obvious. I mean there were one or two little flashpoints here or there, but nothing. You know again I would say nothing that was explicitly connected to that conversation. But again there was like as I say there was an, an energy an energy of extreme judgment and intolerance and 
dismissiveness. And I feel that that's the wave you come up against if you're a person who questions this orthodoxy of thought, this orthodoxy of thinking around some of these hot potato identity issues that are part of the discourse now in you know at this stage of the the you know the 21st century and it's um it's really concerning because there's a and again I'm repeating stuff I've said before on the podcast there is a grotesque poverty of of explanation a grotesque poverty of listening a grotesque poverty of understanding um a grotesque poverty of being able to accommodate an opinion that doesn't perfectly align with yours um and it's so destructive and it's so infantile and wrong-headed and kind of impossible to deal with um and just as another point of reference and i'm i'm going to i'm going to copy i'm going to attach links in the description of this episode so you can just have access to some of this material to help you know if you're interested and want to kind of go oh okay that's what people are talking about um i will include the jk rowling piece i will also include a an article from glamour.com um, which was published less than a week ago, which directly is kind of doing what I'm doing. It directly addressed, you know, kind of what's the controversy around what J.K. Rowling said. And it refers to the piece that she wrote on her website and it refers to the Graham Norton stuff. And, it, you know, it, it's a nice kind of reference piece to to read in tandem with the J.K. Rowling piece. And I'll also include what I think is a brilliant article by the former Guardian journalist Suzanne Moore. Suzanne Moore was a long-term Guardian columnist, journalist, who in November 2020 wrote a piece saying why I was hounded out of the Guardian, fundamentally. And it's a brilliant piece that you should read. And she published that on unheard.com. Now, that's unheard, U-N-H-E-R-D.com. Uh, and again, I'll put the link in the description of the of the episode. But she basically was identifying this trend when any time she tried to express an opinion that ran contrary to the received pro-trans positions, her editors would just gently kind of take it out of her article and they go oh yeah that doesn't that doesn't really help the article and kind of euphemistically um kind of cutting her out of her own articles and removing that opinion from articles she was trying to write and ultimately again read the article and see what you think but my impression i, I didn't reread it I, I read it a couple of years ago um another one of my uncles actually sent it to me thanks brian i don't think you listen to this either <laughs> Uh, but fundamentally she was sort of ostracized and kind of vilified within the guardian and you know the guardian is is often still my kind of default uh newspaper app that i go to even though it is appallingly um extreme in its woke kind of left liberal positions that again are just lacking nuance 
and they just, they just seem to kind of validate everything. So I go, the average age of Guardian journalists must be people in their sort of mid to late twenties, um, because it's it's just an echo chamber, um, and they're all again like the Guardian has always had, in my opinion, a propensity for being very po-faced and on message. Um, you know, before woke got appropriated by um, people involved in the culture wars. And I mean, I remember reading The Guardian in the 90s and kind of going, you know, at the height of kind of New Labour and Blair and all of that stuff. Um, and just kind of sometimes going, oh my goodness, you know, does does The Guardian ever not take the popular hip position on anything um and it's just that in extremis now so you've got to be very you know careful how you read things and again look at things with your own critical thinking and go hold on a second what is this and there's just there just seems to be this terrible lack of critical thinking being applied just endless validation valid endless validation of the right position and then rapid like instant and uh intense rabid vilification of people and particularly again particularly public figures uh instant vilification of those who don't um you, you know instantly and kind of unilaterally agree with everything that's been said on the other side um and jk rowling has definitely been a victim of that and she clearly is unafraid to wade into the Twitter wars. But um, I question, I question the wisdom of that. Um, but I don't know, man. I mean, like this, this idea, I, I found, I did find myself wondering how many men are threatened with rape? Like public figures, how many male public finger figures get a deluge of, I'm going to rape you, you should be raped um i mean death threats i guess i mean salmon rushdie of course um you know he had that recent attack in new york um like he's been living with that for years and years the fatwa the fatwa the fatwa 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 some words anyway how many men are threatened with with rape public figures are is it directed at the women in their lives we're going to rape your 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 wife your children is that is that what people do again there is something i mean and this 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 goes back to the episode last week on on marilyn this particular energy that is reserved for for women this particular energy that's reserved for women in the public eye this particular energy that's reserved for successful women in the public eye um this particular energy that's reserved for outspoken successful women in the public eye there is just this boundless reserve of violent misogyny i suppose um and i think sometimes i wonder like the people who are attacking jk rowling do they really care about the issues at hand really have they really explored their own thoughts or is she just an easy target? Is she just someone else they can just stick the boot into? Because that is definitely part of internet culture. It's definitely part of 
the the kind of the 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 the, the dynamics of how people live online and I think if there's, a, you know, whatever, you know, men, I suppose, are mainly the, the culprits. But I think if previously, if you were a man of a certain thinking or a certain wiring or a certain insecurity, um, it wasn't so easy to express your your fear. It wasn't so easy to express your resentment. It wasn't so easy to express your hate. And then somebody invented the internet um somebody invented the internet and suddenly um you're able to you're able to just go for it in an unbridled way unbridled way and it's kind of gross and disgusting and cowardly i use that word again i was using that word a couple of weeks ago when i was talking um about the events that have been playing out in iran and you know groups of men killing young women and attacking them and beating them and killing them um the cowardice of that and the cowardice of being online and throwing hate at someone and threatening someone um and then you think i mean i i i said earlier I'm not sure um, how how J.K. Rowling, how you know, I, I question the wisdom of J.K. Rowling wading into these debates online. But then you think, yeah, why not? Why wouldn't she defend herself? Why wouldn't she get stuck in? Why should she just stay quiet and let the let the haters reign? I suppose. Um, so you know, whatever you know, <laughs> J.K. Rowling has agency. She's also, is she a billionaire? Um, I mean, I, I think I saw a tweet like that the other day. She was responding to someone um, that, you know, I think someone asked her how she sleeps at night and she said, well, you know, my enormous wealth certainly helps. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, it's I'm not trying to legislate for the right and wrong of how J.K. Rowling expresses herself because why, what, what do I have to say about it? she she you know she can live her own life and that's kind of and in a way i think that's part of her point and in a way you know that that was the point graham norton was making as well ironically it's like don't ask me don't ask i'm not saying me dara but you know as a celebrity he's saying don't ask me why should you get my opinion talk to the people who are going through it and maybe that's the you know someone could say well talk to jk rowling about all the death threats and rape threats Talk to her about her experience of domestic violence. Talk to her about how she still carries that trauma. Talk to her about that position of and her understanding of what it is to be a woman in that situation. Um, and let's stop, you know, you know, let's stop having this idea that if you don't completely agree with someone, that suddenly means you hate them. That suddenly means you're transphobic or homophobic or you're uh, a turf um, or you're a chauvinist or you're racist or you're whatever. This is so much the problem of how people are talking to each other, so much the problem of how discourse unfolds at the moment. And just take take the responsibility on yourself to... To try and understand the, you know, have a look at the issues 
Don't look at the sound bites. Don't look at you know, what people are saying. Go, well, what's the issue? And then ask yourself, well, what do I know about this? What do I feel about this? Am I sufficiently interested to get more information? Um, because then that will help me clarify my thinking. And then that's something I don't need to be stressed about or triggered by or anxious about. Or then I can decide, well, actually, I need to act on this or I want to express something about this. I want to contribute. I want to go to war about this. Grand. But don't do it on the basis of a tweet. Don't do it on the basis of an interview. Get get the information. Um, and I don't know. It's, um, yeah. The, the, there needs to be, there just needs to be more thought. There needs to be more consideration. There needs to be more back and forth. We need to be less threatened by the opinions of others. So what does this come back to? This comes back to resilience. It comes back to, you know, having the confidence in yourself to assert yourself in a way that isn't, you know, that, that isn't something that just kind of unleashes your hate or your, your sense of indignation comes out that way. Um, this, this goes back to, you know, this goes back to another recent episode, the one I talked about a couple of weeks ago, the, the, the hateful power of hipsters. <laughs> or today's letter is H. Who do you give power to? Who do you give power to? Um, and I know there's an argument that goes, well, people who have a huge profile, what they say counts, what they say has a huge impact. Um, but there's, you know, I, I think there's also, particularly when it comes to celebrities, particularly when it comes to celebrities and what they put out there online, um, there's a lot of po-faced, chin-stroking um, and uh, moralistic head-nodding. Um, and I... I I often find myself just calling bullshit on it. I go, nah, you're just doing that. You're protecting your brand. You're just trying to be on message. And a lot of people who have taken the time to express themselves with with great care um, are being kicked off platforms. No platformed, cancelled. And that's fine. I mean, and, I, and I agree with what Graham Norton said. Like some people, yeah, you can be held accountable. Definitely. There's no question some people need to be held accountable for their position. Uh, like what you know, what do what do you mean by that? Um, and that isn't cancel culture. And so there is maybe, you know, you're getting into semantics. So maybe cancel culture is kind of what I'm, you know, what I've described when cancel culture just becomes this massive, crude instrument of um, of annihilation, of public annihilation. That's cancel culture. That's not accountability. Accountability is different. I mean, accountability, if someone cared to take the time, would be to engage J.K. Rowling on her terms and go, can we explore this more? And then, and I mean, this might be really naff, but to get comfortable with the idea of agreeing to disagree and getting on with your own life, um, that's is is that not a, a possible strategy um yeah okay so i you know i don't have <laughs> i 
I, I don't have an audience of any significance. Uh, so there's no fear whatsoever uh, attached to this episode. I don't, I don't think anyone is going to be triggered by anything that I've said. Do you know what I was triggered by when I read J.K. Rowling's piece? Um, she, <laughs> she used the abbreviation whore you know, several times in her piece. That's who are, people who are doing this, people who are saying that. But she abbreviated it to whore. You know, W-H-O apostrophe R-E. And I thought that is the most bizarre abbreviation to throw in. I thought, this woman can't really be a writer. And I was more triggered by, that's what I was triggered by. I was going, JK, will you stop saying whore? And, you know, whore in Ireland is a mispronunciation of whore, which is a prostitute. Um, sex worker um, and then we you know we we have a deliberate uh, mispronunciation of that whore um, which can be used sort of affectionately oh you know she's a <laughs> he's a little whore um, like a brat a messer um, a rapscallion oh you little whore yeah uh, <laughs> but whore as an abbreviation oh my god it looks terrible and I, I, I wonder how often I use it. My, I don't even know if I use it myself. Is, is, is that, is that, do people use that? The people who are, respon- who, are, who are responsible? I feel they're separated, the people who are responsible. I'll find the people who, I'll find the people who are responsible. I don't know. Anyway, whatever. So um, that was my issue. I had an issue with who are. I didn't have an issue with anything else. And I have no issue with people who are transitioning or, or going through any sort of, you know, trans journey. I wish you well. I think it takes enormous courage and um, enormous resilience to go on that journey. And no one should be receiving hate for how they identify or what pronouns they would prefer to be um, referred to with or by. Um, you know, let's let's really think about who should be getting... Who, who, let's think about who should be receiving our anger who should be receiving our judgment? Is it trans people? Is it super wealthy writers and creative people? Is it TV hosts? Is it songwriters? I mean, oh man, there's such confusion. There is such confusion out there. People are so confused. My God, people need to just engage their brains a bit more and think and be thoughtful and considered and really explore their own thinking and not just jump on the culture wars woke bandwagon um and yeah not try to take people down so um okay let's um so you know yeah that's um maybe that's the that's the message from today's podcast let's be more thoughtful you know work your own shit out and work your own ideas and thinking and convictions out before you get your knife out to stick it into somebody online it's um yeah i, I just think that it's, it's 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 of so little value you know to do that sort of stuff i'm always i'm always kind of astonished when people wade in online i go really you're, you're putting that out there publicly i don't know anyway whatever maybe i'm maybe i'm old i'm definitely older i'm older now than when i started the podcast <laughs> Because it's long form. The long form tell. Okay, that's it. That's it for another week. Um, thank you so much for listening, if you did. Thanks, Connor T, for the shout out to me 
That's not, it's not really a shout out if it's just a text between friends, is it? But thanks for suggesting this topic. It was great. I was really interested and I was delighted to get into it. I, I, I hope my, um, my, uh, my thoughts were, were clear um, on the clear out. You can, if you're interested, support this show, this production, this tell. You can support it using the supporter link, which should be there where you're listening. Um, if it's not, I know the Patreon link is definitely there, patreon.com forward slash the clear out if you want to throw some financial heft behind this thing I do. And you can find the Clear Out podcast on social media, on YouTube, on Instagram, on Facebook. You can find the Clear Out too on Twitter. I will be there. And you can share the love. You can subscribe, follow recommend do recommend it if you like what you hear leave a review if that's something you can do somewhere you can do that on apple podcasts i'm sure um help me grow this little thing help me turn this acorn into a mighty oak (laughs) all right listen mind yourselves take care take care and stay out of the stay out of the current of hate walk in peaceful streams And I will talk to you real soon. Okay, all the best. Thanks for listening. Bye.